This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 184 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equestrian Collections, Draper Therapies, and Charles Owen. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer Glenn. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey guys. How is everyone today? Good, I, good. I could tell you about my trip today. Where'd you go? Yeah, going? you were working it's, really it's, hard in the yeah, barn. Not working really hard in the barn. Yeah, let me just say, but I think it's all Toronto. Awesome. And saw the theatrical production of Warhorse, and it was amazing. Oh, cool! I'm so jealous. So jealous. Yeah, it was such a great show, and it's been on in Toronto for quite some time, and we just haven't, we just never did it. But uh, we took the day off to uh, to do that and see it before it ends. So uh, I highly recommend it to anybody that can see it. It's totally worth it, and way better than the movie. I was going to ask yes. you that. Yeah, so you saw the movie <laughs> and saw this and liked it way better than. Oh, the movie doesn't even compare to just the live show. And, uh, you know, its I would say it's a little bit shorter. I think a lot of the movie kind of dragged out a little bit. But this was just, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was perfect. So, um, you know, they, they have the puppeteer horses that they're using. And, and you kind of forget that they're, they're not real. And, and they make them look and act, for, for the most part, like real horses. And uh, it's a great show and a great, uh, a great thing to see. So. Did you find yourself? I was just going to ask. Did you find yourself watching the puppets and trying to criticize their movements, or did you just get absorbed and forget about it? No, I think you can just totally just get absorbed into the show and just you know it's not it's not technical, right? I mean, they're just representing the horses, and I think they do a really great job of that, and you really get immersed in the show and uh, and a great homage to all the horses that that were in World War One and died, thousands of them. So. Yeah, no, I've heard, I've, my mom saw it also when she was in um, York and loved it. Just said it was, it was wonderful. And she's critical. So that was really cool. So, so that was good. What's, what's coming up on the show today, Reese? Well, we have a great show. As we have, have talked about on the show before, we try when, when listeners send in questions, if we can't answer it between the two of us, uh, we really work hard to find um, someone to come on the show. And so we had a listener question about training level freestyles, pretty much how you start, how you do them. And um, I called a dear friend of my family and of myself, uh, Marlene Whitaker of Custom Freestyle. She's going to come on and talk about training level freestyles and how you start and how you pick music and it's a great interview and I think everyone will really enjoy it and we also have Betsy LaBelle. She's the media coordinator for the Global Dressage Festival. Uh, we talked a little bit about GDF last week and um, and we wanted to promote what they're doing there and she is uh, does a wonderful job so it should be a really fun show. Great. I mean I've been looking forward to the freestyle show for uh, for quite some time. I mean I think a lot of People have questions about it and need help with it, and uh, and especially with the new training level that's coming to play, then uh, this should be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So um, that is really exciting. And again, send us your listening questions because we will we will really try and get get them on. So um, so Philip Totalis is back in the news this week. It's not good news, I guess. Well, I mean, it's just been. Um, Dropped from the German Championship squad. I guess that's their their A team, as it were, because he hasn't shown in quite some time, and uh, nobody knows exactly when he's going to come back to the show ring. 
Um, so that's that's not great news for him. But I'm sure as soon as, as soon as they start showing the horse again, he'll be right back there at the top of the world. Exactly, and we look forward to it. And and we all we, we are a team together, and we wish we wish him well. Um, and also, um, there is going to be a great program, and there's a lot of push right now for the young, uh, the young riders, and coming up through the ranks. And um, it was announced this week that with Lyndon Gray and Robert Dover, they're preparing. Um, for their second annual Robert Dover Horsemanship Week, uh, which is held January uh, 2nd through the 6th in the Van, Camp- Van Campen Indoor Arena at the GDF uh, in Wellington. So uh, I look forward to this. This is uh, yeah, There were great things that came out of it last year, and I think it's wonderful that we're focused again on the youth in the United States. So should be a good yeah. weekend. That's many top um, junior young riders that get invited to this thing, and uh, they get a, a big chunk of education about uh, about everything. I guess they bring guest speakers in and guest riders in to uh, to help people with their careers if they're they're going to go the equine way, right? Exactly, and dressage for kids, uh, and I think the website's dressageforkids.com. And if you have a youngin in your barn, or you're a mom or a dad, uh, go to that website because they're doing some great stuff, and uh, we love to support uh, all kinds of dressage in the United States. So, I hope that helps. Well, and another little piece of news: we're going to be uh, looking forward to seeing Stefan Peters riding uh, Legolas at World Dressage Masters on an, in a new freestyle, I guess. Yeah, so he's, uh, you know, it, it, it's cute. They're talking about doing something fun with a good sense of humor, uh, which is really fun. And uh, Stefan also works on freestyle. So I think it's it's a great perspective that he's working just as hard. And Marlene will talk about it later. But there are 100 hours that go into these freestyles. And I think that's um, it's for sure at Stefan's level, at the international level, there's probably more than 100 hours. Uh, so it's great to hear that he's also working very hard on his freestyles as well. Yeah, well, after um, competing Ravel for so many years and now with his retirement, I think he's really focusing on on a new horse to bring to the world stage. So I guess the, the Masters is a great uh, chance for him to be able to do that in Florida. So, Philip, we are in, in our Helmet Series in cooperation with Charles Owen and Riders for Helmets. The Dressage Radio Network uh, presents a special holiday series, giving the gift of safety, purchasing a helmet for your loved one at Christmas. <laughs> Glenn the Geek here, founder of the Horse Radio Network. We are excited to bring you a special holiday helmet mini-series, giving the gift of safety, purchasing a helmet for your loved ones at Christmas. In cooperation with Charles Owen and Riders for Helmets, we have created this six-part mini-series to highlight some amazing real-life stories and some tips on buying helmets as gifts. And today we speak to Roy from Charles Owen about helmet style and safety going forward and what's coming up in the years to come. Well, Roy, welcome back to our Holiday Helmet mini-series. You know, obviously we're discussing here helmets and and how they make a terrific gift for the holidays and how protecting your loved one's head is perhaps the most important thing you can do in a gift for the holidays. But you and I have been to a couple conferences together where we where we talked about adoption and how do we get more and more people to wear helmets, whether it be English riders or Western riders or just trail riders, how do we get more and more people to do that? And one of the things that we talked about is that they have to look stylish. People have to want to wear them as an accessory to their outfit rather than something that just conflicts with their outfit. 
And, you know, I know that Charles Owen has, through the years, and, and a lot of the helmet companies, but especially Charles Owen, you have really made the helmets much thinner, much more stylish, less of a big bowl on the head like they were in the 1990s, and more like a fashion accessory that you're seeing Olympians wear now. Is that been a major push of yours at the company? Yeah, I mean, we totally agree with the fact that you know, we want people to, to feel good. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, the gold, the British gold medalist for, uh, for the dressage, um, she actually was still wearing a helmet two hours after the event, you know, even for the TV interviews, because, you know, she had it on, she'd forgotten about it. She just felt that, you know, it, it saved everyone looking at her helmet hair. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so therefore, helmets really have started to become an accessory um, to, to aid one's style. And that's why when you look at the catalogs nowadays, people look at it and say, oh, my goodness, there's such a variety to choose from. You know, where on earth do you start? And, uh, and and that's really starting to, to understand a little bit. It's a bit like if you were going to buy a handbag for somebody, um, uh, for, for a lady, you know, you really need to uh, understand a little bit about what they're trying to portray. And it's the same thing with the helmets. I mean, you've got the very classical sort of hunting type shapes. Uh, you've got the more modern suede looks. Um, you've got a lot of this uh, piping that we're now introducing where you're able to color coordinate the whole outfit through into the saddle pad, onto the jacket. Um, it, it's, it's really uh, making it so much easier for people to accept helmets. And of course, we've got a lot of riders at the top of the sport that really leading the, the way in, in trying to give us the sense that a helmet is part of our activity it's not something that's an optional extra and now also you know with the with the sort of 3d designing that you're doing and a lot of that revolves around the air vents that you're putting into the helmets and what i in the early days of having air vents and helmets they were very noticeable and they look like big holes in the helmet now you're hiding them so well it really doesn't take away the sleek design of the helmet having the air vents in there uh, absolutely, because, of course, some of the standards um, require us to protect against things like studs in the bottom of horseshoes. So we can't just make um, air vents uh, bigger and bigger to cool the head. And uh, now we're studying how air flows through the helmet and where the most effective way of cooling the head. For example, in one of the latest um, uh, helmets that we've uh, launched at the end of this year, we're uh, using a new thing called a free fit system. And what we do is we lay uh, a mesh of Cormax across the forehead, which of course is where the first beads of sweat uh, are created. And then we allow air to flow over that mesh and evaporate the uh, sweat. And of course, by doing that, we create an air conditioning effect because as we evaporate the sweat, it actually has a chilling effect on our forehead. And it's by doing stuff like that, we can really keep the classical look, the stylish look of the rider without, um, uh, without compromising their comfort and, and their fit. Now, I know, Roy, that the helmets are appearing to get slimmer all the time. They're appearing to have, you know, they're, they're not 
your profile isn't as big as it used to be. Does that affect the safety at all, or are you able to design, you know, more compact materials? Oh, I mean, we are uh, doing so much computer analysis now where we're able to uh, remove, in fact, we're almost discovering that helmets that are too thick can actually um, uh, provide less protection because the uh, structure isn't able to collapse as we uh, thought it would do with the uh, the thick uh, structures. So really when you look behind the badge, um, that's where you really start to have to understand how the technology is really being fine-tuned. We're on a microscopic level. I mean, inside we've got this tiny little bubbles of air that you can only see under a microscope. And when you're dealing with the uh, the different geometry of the outer shape and also the fact that the skull has different strengths and forces coming into the brain from all the uh, analysis that's being done on stresses that are created inside the brain, we actually are getting to a level where we can remove excess protection that actually offers us nothing and really build up the protection in the areas where we really do need it. Um, it's, it's, it really is allowing us to make helmets that are much more efficient. Um, and in many ways, perhaps you see it in cars. I mean, cars of yesteryear used to be huge and big, but you know, nowadays into a small, uh, small car, you can uh, pack a lot of safety. Well, Roy, now coming down the pike, uh, you know, in 2013 and beyond, what are we going to see? What, what evolution are our helmets going to take over the next couple of years? Well, it's, it's an area that we are going to be seeing helmets that are going to be delivering more safety within. There's been uh, a number of standards that have been recently uh, uh, reviewed, and they are looking for more protection. Um, within the same envelope that we have. So we can see that head protection is becoming much more front page with um, American football helmets, looking at concussions and and how we can reduce those. Um, So there's a lot of technology that's going to be coming through. And of course, we've invested hugely in computer simulation, which is allowing us to really understand a lot more and sometimes we look back in uh, to to the early days and just wondered how on earth we managed to get to design helmets that, that did uh, as much protection to the head as they do. Obviously, people are always looking for more ventilation, more comfort. Um, we can probably see that helmets uh, shapes. Uh, we are coming across many more different uh, shaped heads. Uh, as more and more helmets are being worn. I mean, maybe in days gone by, if you didn't find a helmet that fits you, um, you would just say, oh, maybe helmets are not just for me. Well, of course, nowadays, um, if you're going to do any serious riding, then most people are looking for people to wear a helmet. So that's another challenge that's, uh, that's coming along to us, is, is really understanding how we can get a helmet to adapt. And for us... Introducing microfit, which is um, a, a new uh, method of allowing the helmet to be adjusted to 
take that little pressure above the temple uh, uh, area that sometimes people have. Um, and uh, professional helmet fitters in your local re- uh, retailer will be able to uh, adjust the helmet uh, to uh, suit your head if uh, you aren't suffering any discomfort. And of course, one of the things that we, we, you know, we want to stress here is that you just need to do it. You need to go out. Uh, if, you, if you need a new helmet uh, and somebody's going to buy it for you for the holidays, that's terrific. If you're thinking about buying somebody a helmet for the holidays and giving that gift of safety, then that's something that we encourage you to do. And as I said, as we said in, the, in past episodes here, you can do that any number of ways. We can go back to, you can go back and take a listen to part one of this discussion to take a look at how you can give it as a gift. But the important part is that you do. It's not something that should be put off. It's something that should be done now because you know, you, it's never too soon to prepare and to, to buy a very safe helmet. We recommend that you do it through Charles Owen. Uh, and Roy, we thank you so much for being here for this series with us. Uh, you know, I hope that with this series we've helped, if it's one or two people that have gone out and bought a helmet and protected their heads for the next time they come unglued, then, then I think we've done our job here. And I would like to make a special thank you for all the, the volunteers that are, that are behind Riders for Helmets. I mean, they have really raised the game. And we are so thankful that people are starting to question the type of helmets, the fit of helmets, and, and really start to understand the silent injury of brain, of, uh, brain damage. I mean, either the telling stories that we hear that we just didn't hear in the past. And I think he's really helped to uh, make people very much more aware of what can happen if you don't have a well-fitted helmet on your head. Thank you to Riders for Helmets for everything they do for helmet awareness and safety. You can visit them at ridersforthenumber4helmets.com. And thank you to Charles Owen. You can visit them at charlesowen.co.uk. And next week, we bring you the last part in this helmet series when we have an interview with Courtney King Dye, the dressage rider that was the inspiration for Riders for Helmets a couple years ago when she took her nasty spill. And we chat with her about her life and what's happening next. You can listen to all the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Talk to you next week, everybody. this word from Draper Therapies, we have Betsy LaBelle, a promoter for Global Dressage Festival in Florida. Hi, Glenn here from the Horse Radio Network, and I am back with Kat from Draper Therapies. What are we talking about this week? Well, I thought I would bring back a year-round favorite of ours, which is the Draper Therapies socks. My favorite. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeah, which is why I thought it would come up because a lot of people end up buying the socks in the styles that we have available for gifts for the holidays. But regardless, it's a great gift to have year-round for yourself or for somebody else when you're not really sure what to get them. The socks themselves come in two styles. There's an active sock, which is a shorter sock that goes up just to the ankle. And then we also have a walking sock that comes in black or all white. And those go up mid-calf. So they're really great socks. They all have the salient uh, technology in them, which helps to increase circulation and reduce pain. 
And what they we've called them before is kind of an energy drink for your feet and that they really help give you a little bit more pep in the step and they take away some of the burn that you might feel, especially if you're on your feet all day, if you're training and you're on your feet or if you're walking around maybe doing a course walk, things like that. The socks are a huge, huge help. And I can vouch for these because you saved my butt at the WEG. My feet were killing me after walking all day, every day for like five days at the WEG, and I had like 14 more days to go. And you gave me a couple pairs of these socks, and they saved me. I wore them every day after that, and my feet felt great. And about three days after I started wearing them, they were back to normal. And I'll tell you what, I have worn them ever since then. Yeah, they're really fabulous. I mean, I love them for myself because even when we're at shows and things like that, or if I'm on my feet all day and, you know, you wake up the next morning and got pins and needles and it just hurts to walk when you get up. If you go to bed in these socks, it totally gets rid of that. Or if you wear them during the day, you don't get that feeling at the end of the day. So it's, they're really, really fantastic items. And, you know, for either the $13 or the $15 you'd be spending on the socks, it's not a huge investment just to try it out and see what kind of benefits you can get from it. And they last forever. I am still wearing the ones you gave me at the World Equestrian Games. Now, I've gotten some more since then, but I'm still wearing those particular pairs. So they do last a long time. And and they work, 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 work. I highly recommend them. Terrific stocking stuffers for the holidays this year. Absolutely. And you can find all of our information at drapertherapies.com. Betsy, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be back. I know, and you're back in a completely different role than you were this summer. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, I'm working uh, for the Global Dressage Festival. It's This year, it's called the Adequan Global Dressage Festival, and I am the media person, the person who writes all the press releases, creates all the videos, um, does a ton of different sort of things. I'm also writing the whole souvenir program. And just doing a whole bunch of things um, for the facility, but also for the riders. So it's really important that we uh, promote the riders and promote the sports. And so that's what I'm up to this winter. Well, then maybe we can get right into it. And you can tell us what does GDF have for us this year coming up? Well, this year is unbelievable because we have, it's pretty much the same prize money as last year. What, what they do is they kind of um, go up the ladder. So there's five CDIs, and um, each one gets progressively more prize money uh, for the CDIs. But we also have amazing prizes this year for the amateurs and the national show. And so we have five, or, yes, five of those, five national shows as well. And those are like Tuesday, Wednesday events all the national shows, and then the CDIs are on, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Um, But what's so exciting is just the facility itself is just unbelievable with the the new indoor, the Van Campen Arena is just enormous. It could have three full uh, dressage arenas in there with the horses being able to go around before. And um, so they just had, they just keep improving the facility. So I hope that answers your question. There's just so much. So talk to us, Betsy, like if we wanted to come down, let's say for me, I'm going to be there for the season so I can come on Tuesday and Wednesday to watch the national show. How does it work when it comes to CDI time? 
Okay, well, the best thing to do is to go to globaldressagefestival.com and then click on the, it says like prize list. So, so for riders, they can go there and they can enter right online. Um, but the, it also tells you like how to get there and, um, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff about the facility and the upcoming events. But the, the CDIs, everything is free for everybody. I mean, parking, everything. Um, they really want the community to come. It's so important. And the CDI is so special because it has, well, our CDIs are going to be a little different because we're also having um, the hunter-jumpers are doing shows as well. So we definitely have rules and regulations, but they are they have a huge field behind. And there's going to be a hunter derby, one CDI, and then um, so there's just so much, so many activities going on at these. And yeah, and then each one is different. Like they're they're working on getting the symphony to come in March and play, and they don't know how they're going to do that yet. So they're working on that which will bring in a community of, you know, people who are very interested in music. And um, then they have just every EDI has something that's it's like enjoy the experience. And each one has a different experience. It's just really, really exciting. Well, and can you give us the dates for this, uh, for the international shows then? Sure, yes. The first one is the last day in January and then the first couple days in February. So, um, And then the next one is in the middle of February, February 14th through 17th. And then the next one is exactly a month after that, March 14th through 17th. And then the five-star is uh, April 4th through 7th, which is huge prize money. And then the Nations Cup, which will be the Pan American Games um, test. They're going to decide whether they're going to change the format of the Pan American Games. And that CDI for us, um, the Nations Cup, is April 11th through 14th. So, Betsy, so anybody can come and anybody can enter. So what are some tips that you're going to give to everyone when they come because of the new facility? just won't believe the stabling. I mean, I think the stabling is the most amazing thing because it's just there's nothing I mean it's just five star accommodations and then the footing uh, is amazing I don't know about a tip I mean the only tip I can tell you is you gotta come I mean it's just phenomenal and you know they just they really know how to do it Oh, I can't wait for this winter. I think it's going to be it's going to be fabulous and I hope I'm going to get I'm going to come to the CDIs. I'm really looking forward to it. And Philip, we got to get you down there too. And yeah, I'm um, thinking so first weekend of February till forever. Is that sound okay? Yeah. <laughs> until the end, until the middle of April. Yeah, but yeah. what's until- also great too is we have, you know, like fine dining and you don't have to get a table, you know, for the whole season. You can get a table that same day or that, you know, or even a, a space. They, they open it up. Um, so it's just amazing. I mean, the experience each day of watching these horses, 
it's it's phenomenal. You feel like you're in a five star, you know, hotel or whatever, you know, just watching these activities. And um, you know, and there's vendors there and you know, it's just it's a special special thing that these guys have done. I mean, they've they've just created this facility for us instead of over at the Hunter Jumper where we used to be they created this amazing facility just for us, but then the hunter-jumpers had the grass field because it was the old polo field, and so they kept half of it and made a beautiful jumper field out of some of it. So um, it's just phenomenal experience. Everybody needs to come. Well, I am looking forward to it. I can't wait for this winter. And thank you for telling us all about all the fun things that are happening this winter, and uh, we look forward to it. Super. Thank you so much, Reese, for having me on. And I definitely, you know, come at Aquan Global Dressage Festival, globaldressagefestival.com. And if you have any questions, you can, on, on there, I believe my name is on several of the pages, um, Betsy LaBelle, and you can just call me and ask me anything you need, and we'll figure out how to make it happen. After this word from Equestrian Collections, Marlene Whitaker from Custom Freestyle is going to come on and talk with us about how to design a training level freestyle. Hi, Glenn, back with you from the Horse Radio Network. I'm here with Debbie with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. Hello, Glenn, and I am so excited to introduce the Iridian Lady Stretch Denim Jeans. These are brand new this spring, and I just got a pair last week. And I'm telling you, I am—I loved them so much, I ordered a second pair over the weekend from Equestrian Collections. They are, uh, because they're Iridian, they're extremely stretching. They have 2% spandex, 84% cotton, and 14% polyester, and they fit great. I'm a little bit short, so they're a little long. So if you're tall, you can wear these. But if you're short, you can still tuck them into your boots, and they look fabulous. Um, they look not only good. In fact, these are the first things I've ever worn that I felt like I had skinny jeans on. And then I thought, oh, I can't possibly ride in these things. You get on the horse, and oh, my goodness, they are not only comfortable. The people I was riding with uh, were riding with turned to me and said, you look great in those jeans. I can't say I can't say enough about them. They're fabulous. Try them. Well, anytime you get compliments like that, you're going to be happy for sure. Now, these are knee patch jeans. Yes, they're they're knee patch jeans. They're they're um, they have they, they say they're mid rise, but they're actually yeah they're mid rise. They're low to mid rise, so they're very very comfortable. Um, the knee patches are very soft. They're also same color, so you could actually get away with wearing them as jeans. Um, they've got the four-way stretch. They come in uh, black, and they come in denim. You want to go to equestriancollections.com and search for Iridian. If you just put in Iridian jeans or denim jeans, these will come up. You'll love them. (laughs) Marlene, thank you so much for coming on the show this evening. It is my pleasure, Reese. So we are all, I, I've been looking forward to your interview all day. Marlene is, is a wonderful choreographer and has worked with me and my family for many years. And she's, I think she's the best. But um, I was so excited to have you on the show, Marlene, to talk about the new training level freestyle. Yes, which uh, became effective December 1st, a few days ago. 
it, I think 90% of our amateurs in the United States, I'm told, ride at training level, first level. So the more people that have access to this, the better. And I do have some concrete suggestions that I think will make it easier for them. Great. Well, let's get started. Let's, I would say the very first thing an interested rider should do is go to the USDF website. The Freestyle Committee, which I'm a past member of, has put um, a lot of effort into giving clear directives and basic information on, on requirements, timing, music, choreography, scoring, and judges. There's a wealth of material there um, that is self-explanatory that I couldn't cover in 30 minutes. So that would be a good starting place. Um, the next thing I recommend is that everyone have a metronome. Now, metronomes come from rather uh, inexpensive versions to quite elaborate versions. How much you spend on the metronome is not as important as the fact that you use the same metronome throughout your entire uh, your entire project because there might be some variability. So get a metronome and take a video of your horse in competition and match his walk, trot, and canter. Tap that beat into the metronome and it will give you a number. Our a horse's gates fall in a specific range. Canter can be 89 beats per minute to about 102. And that is literally how many times that inside front leg strikes the ground in a minute's time. Uh, the walk might be, say, 96 to 118. And when I, when I measure the walk, I choose to measure both front legs because it is more accurate. The trot tends to be, if you are measuring both front legs, which is, again, more accurate, tends to be about 138 to 160. So your first job, as uh, if you're new to this, is to find out what tempos go with your horse. That's so important. Once you have those numbers, uh, if, you're, if your listeners have a piece of paper, I would tell them that they should go to a website called, and I'm making sure I'll say this right, um, Equimusic, E-Q-U-I-M-U-S-I-C dot com. And that is a free online musical freestyle music database. It is quite self-explanatory, and it will give you suggestions for songs at any tempo range, if you know that your horse canters at 92 beats per minute, you insert that and up comes the list of songs that you could choose from. This will be a, a great help for putting appropriate songs at a person's fingertips. Now, choosing your music is not quite so, uh, not quite as easy as saying, I like this walk, this trot, and this canter. We want your choice is to go together in a unified theme to sound like they belong together. We, and we want you to uh, burn some of this music and take it out to the barn and ride your horse to it to see how you like it. Pick out three or four or five songs in each gate and ride to it. And that, that's a way to start. Now, am I getting too detailed here? No, this no is it's perfect. awesome. Yeah, and the I'm use taking of that website, notes myself. 
Yeah. (laughs) To have a database of music to work with. Now, I hope that there's a lot of songs on there so that we're not having every, you know, 10 freestyles with the same music. (laughs) Well, you know, the truth is there isn't as much music available as we all wish there was. However, this, and so some of the songs in this database may have been used, but if if you have a rider going to the World Cup, I have to worry very. I have to worry that their ride has is as fresh and new as I can make it. But for our riders getting started, it's all right if they put their music together. Uh, it's all right that maybe somebody in another state is using it too. It's all right. Yeah. I had an interest. <laughs> I had an interesting experience at a World Cup class in Florida one year where I had a rider who had a particular piece of music for the canter. The rider that went in immediately after her uh, had her ride done by someone else and coincidentally had used the same canter piece of music. Jessica Ranshausen was judging at the end of the class. My rider was quite upset to have heard her canter music done by two horses. So I approached Jessica and asked her what she thought about that. And she hadn't noticed it, not because she isn't an experienced judge, believe me, she is, and she's done freestyles and she knows, but her premise is that every cur is choreographed differently with different surrounding pieces, and two riders can use the same music back-to-back and have it be two totally different pieces of music. So I share that story with my riders when they get uh, a little uptight about what if someone else is using this music. No one else has your horse. No one else has your choreography. No one else will edit it exactly the same way. So have confidence and just try to create the program that represents you. Now, finding the tempo, which I've talked about, is step one. But just because you have picked a song in a tempo range doesn't mean it will work because the other part of choice is the style. It is possible to have a song that is tempoed at walk sound like trot. It is possible to have a, a, a piece of music that is tempoed for trot sound like walk. That's just the rhythmic groove. That's the variation we find. So when you, when you get to your resource and are able to find songs in a range that you know might work for you, be cognizant that it has to sound like the gate you want it to represent. Right, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So after that, you've got your music picked out, you've written to it. Where does the choreography come in? Well, fortunately, at training level, um, you have one big advantage, and that is you don't have so many required elements. Um, you are required to do 20 meters of continuous free walk, 20 meters of continuous medium walk. You are required to do both left and right a trot 15 to 20 meter circle, no smaller. You are required to do the same at canter, 15 to 20 meter circle left and right, no smaller. In the trot, you do a serpentine with no loop smaller than 15 meters. That would be a four-loop serpentine at the smallest. A trot, 20-meter stretching circle. Then your transitions are scored, and you can do trot halt trot, trot walk trot, 
try canter trot. You may not do walk, canter, walk. When you read the requirements in the USDF manual, they will be very clear about what you can and cannot do. And when you choreograph your ride, be very true to what is allowed because if you put in something uh, that's above the level, you will be faulted for that. Because you have not so many movements to show at training level, you have plenty of time in the five-minute limit that you're given to listen to the music, listen to the phrases, and begin to imagine what well, that sounds like. Um, that sounds like a circle. Um, at training level, it is it, it's quite doable to listen to your music and just try to ride to it. You might, uh, and that takes some experimentation. I do find that when riders are doing this at home, the stopping and starting with a horse can be frustrating for the horse. So you might want to spend some time at your kitchen table listening to the music and um, trying to draw things. I can give you some rough estimates. A horse doing a 20-meter circle um, might trot at about 48 steps. That's 48 feet. If you trot the diagonal, that might be um, 16. I mean, if you canter the diagonal, it might be 16 strides. If you trot the full diagonal, it might be 32 strides. There are, you know, if, if people would like to call me for some specific numbers on their choreography, I can be reached at 828-606-5907, and I'm more than happy to coach people and give them some little guidance. But if you sit at your kitchen table, kind of draw out a plan as you're listening to your music that you'd like to try, that saves your horse a lot. Um, you want to, when the music swells, you want to do something meaningful. The interpretation of the music is a very personal thing. But I will tell you that before riders get too bent out of shape about or stress too much about their music and their choreography, it is probably most important to know that freestyles are won and lost uh, based on the technical ride. If you have met the requirements and you, and you ride a clean and accurate test, uh, the best technical ride will nearly always win the freestyle. So sometimes I'd encourage riders to spend your money on lessons. Uh, spend your money on the most able horse you're able to have and get the best, the best help you can from a professional. Because in truth, especially at training level, the best moving horse with the cleanest technical ride will win the cur. And that should give a lot of encouragement to our riders and encourage them to put their efforts where it will most pay off and let the music and the choreography be a little bit of fun at training level. So Marlene, um, I think that's a great, great statement. And that is have fun with the music. I think you always say that with your riders and you said it to me is relax and have fun and feel the music a little bit. Um, yeah. I think that's what, when you become kind of the most proficient at it. So I, I just wanted, cause, cause I don't have the experience of not cutting the music. So you mm -hmm. said, just enjoy the music and ride to the music. Can you go, go mm -hmm. through that a little bit more? Well, 
you in a five minute ride, you're going to have really more time than you need. There is no minimum time in training level. So you want to get you want to present the required movements to the judge, but not stay out there the full five minutes just to be staying out there. So first of all, let's say your ride really may come in at three and a half minutes. So when you think of it that way, you're going to have probably 45 seconds of walk, you'll probably have a minute and a half of trot and a minute of canter. That's all. So you're not going to be able to use an entire song. You are going to need to pick and choose from within a song the parts you want to use. You may choose to go to a sound studio and let someone do a little bit of professional editing. If you know where you want it, you'll get cleaner edits. And it's very hard. Uh, it's very hard for me to tell you without listening to the music exactly what to use. But a training level rider is doing circles and serpentines. Those are very flowing movements. It's nice, you know, when we sing, we sing in phrases, and then we take a breath. It's nice in the serpentine and the circle if it's a phrase so that when you start the circle, a new phrase of music is beginning, and then before you get ready for your next movement, you try to do it with another phrase of music. There are no lengthenings or extensions at training level, so the crescendos and the swells that one might use for lengthening, one might instead use to, uh, choose to use for, for serpentines or for your circles. Um, so there, there is great freedom here and flexibility, uh, a great allowance given to how a person would use the music wreath because the movements are so forgiving. Does that answer your question? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think that's very helpful. And that's always kind of where you are. Um, and and I've, I've worked with some, uh, the Pony Club uh, kids who, who were working on this before it became a rule for USDF. And, and that was always the issue. Like, how do you use the music, music that you picked? Yes. And I think this is a time-consuming process and homework done at home. Listening to your music and trying to pick out sections that you like. So this might be a circle. This might be, uh, it's a lot of trial and error, but, you know, there, there, uh, when we tell people that 100 hours is a reasonable amount of time for me to put into a ride, you begin to understand where some of that time goes. Because, um, but this is also the learning curve for the rider. This can be quite fun. And we, uh, the, the, uh, you had a question, one of the program questions, and this might relate, was about riding to the music and riders who might have horses that are quite different at home than they are in the showground. And what should a rider do? Well, I would say, first of all, if you can take these songs that you found from the database and ride to them at home, it's a wonderful training activity. And it helps you and your horse get a very steady tempo. That becomes a training activity if you, even if you never show um, it also allows the horses to get used to music. Some horses will adapt and ultimately be just fine and, and not change so much from home to the show ring. If you have a gelding, your ch the chances are very good 
that he will be a little more lazy at home. He might be a little more up in the show ring, but it won't change your music. You will, in fact, find that he performs to your music even better being a little up. There is one other reality, though. If you have some of our mares that can be a little tense, sometimes are much more tense in the horse show. If that phenomena with uh, a training rider's training level rider's horse, if their reality is that their horse is very different in the horse show than it is at home, uh, creating a freestyle for that horse will be the most difficult challenge. I have that challenge even at Grand Prix for some of my mares that get tense in the show ring. So if that is the case, and if your riders want to pursue it, they need to be, they need to adhere to the show ring tempos and work with that faster music even while they're at home. It's much more difficult. But I think that is the reality for some of our horses. Yeah, well, a lot of them can change when, when they go to the shows. And I think, you know, you just have to keep riding it, right? I mean, you know, show quite a bit to get used to that and try to adapt. I mean, probably the first time that you take your freestyle out, it might not be perfect, right? And then can you can you come home and change it and adapt it, maybe? Or do you Absolutely. just say, this is my freestyle and I'm going to keep riding it? <laughs> no, I would hope that it would be an evolving effort. It is for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> me too. That's why I love Marlene and I know her so well. <laughs> it evolves. The good freestyle does evolve. And each time you show it, you and your horse learn a little more about each other and about your, your music. And again, for our listeners, this is part of the learning curve. One of the things that excites me most about this training level is not only that uh, people will get to enjoy it, but that they will, they will be a part of a movement that the Freestyle Committee has worked on for a number of years to promote education of this. And people are afraid to begin. If they have a fourth-level horse, when, when it gets a little more difficult, the editing, everything gets a little more difficult, the time is tighter. Uh, that, that's daunting to begin there. Riders should begin their learning process with the freestyle at training level. And if they are working it out themselves, the learning will be huge. There is a book I recommend, published, I think, in the 70s, called Dancing with Your Horse. There has been an updated edition in the last five years, I believe. I have read many, many things, that almost everything I can find that comes out on Freestyle, but I believe that Dancing with Your Horse is a wonderful primer that will answer many questions that will give you basic choreographic patterns you might try. It's, it's a wonderful listing. Here's one other uh, resource for our listeners. There is something on the Internet called the BPM list. That is Beats Per Minute list. The, in 2011, the seventh edition was published. It is a music reference guide for mobile DJs. It has over 24,000 charted songs listed by beats per minute and by style, by genre, which you know we would like our rides to all be of the same genre, something that sounds like it belongs together. 
while this is another good resource, these compilations have to be purchased. And I think they are about $30 a book. If you would get one that was only Latin songs, I, I think each book, I think there is a fee to it. But again, it's another resource. Um, but Dancing With Your Horse is a minimal investment. Uh, Equimusic.com is free. And and the USDF information is invaluable. And I would not want riders to be afraid to just dive in. It's it's doable. That's great. I think that's really fun. Now, I have one last question that deals with freestyles. And that's what happens if you're riding your freestyle at a show you get in the middle and you're in the wrong place. I mean, because the judge is not going to know, right? I mean, for those riding the technical test, you you get the little bell, you get your two minus two, and you carry on. What's going to happen in a freestyle? <laughs> yes, well, this the fact that the music marches on yeah. is the challenging part. And it is why we encourage our freestyle riders to be proficient at the level. A 60% at training four is a minimum requirement in order to enter the freestyle, and you have to submit a copy of your 60% test. Now, um, that's that's a, that's a generously that's a generous score. In truth, the better you are able to ride that training level test, the more you can depend on your training and depend on your horse to be there right when you need him, the more accurately you'll be able to ride your freestyle because the minute the music starts, you are riding the music and not the arena letters. That's the new skill riders have to learn, and that's the reason we want them to be proficient with the technical so they can concentrate on something else. Because the moment will come, just as you say, when you are not in the arena where you intend it to be. So the additional skill that the freestyle rider learns is is how to think fast and what options does she have. We like to have anchor points in a ride. For example, if you start with trot, and let's say you then you're going to walk, and when you get to walk, you're not where you want it to be. Oh my! Well, an anchor point in that ride is. I know where I'm supposed to start the canter, and that's where I have to get to. So on the fly, I have to change my walk pattern so I get to my anchor point for the start of my canter. If you know where you are supposed to be at the beginning of major gates, you try to make adjustments to get there. And again... Every time you ride the current, something goes wrong, you will figure out what you might have done differently to make it work better. And I believe it takes riders about five schools or five competitions to get these kinks worked out so they can be in charge of being where they want to be. <laughs> you know, the best performances that are best scored by the judges and the audience are when all these things come together. So uh, it's it's a fun project and it's it's a challenge. 
It is. It is a very fun project as I've done several in my career and Marlene has been part of all of them. And, and it is, and it's such a challenge and you will find every time you ride it, something will happen or uh, my very experienced horse spooked once and it wasn't his fault. He got scared from the music and we had to get to our anchor points. So I think you learn when you work with someone that's ridden several freestyles, they'll help you with that and get you to, and teach you. So, um, but it is a wonderful process and Marlene, I could, I could listen to you forever. You do such an amazing job and you are absolutely phenomenal to work with. So thank you for coming on the show. Um, if you don't mind, can, can you give your contact information or how we can find you on the web again? Um, I, I do not. I have Reese almost more work than I could handle. So I do not keep a website, but I can be reached by my email, Whitaker at Mac.com. I always respond to people and try to help them. I will give you my telephone number, which is 828-606-5907. And, and frequently, I have riders who are trying to do this on their own that call me, and I, I coach them. And I would be happy to advise people on some of the specific issues that they may run into along the way, um, because this is all about education. And the more people that do this, the better. You know, I'm going to retire one day. I hope there's another crew coming up. (laughs) I hope you don't retire until I retire. So, Marlene, thanks so much for coming on the show, and we look forward to having you back another time. It was my pleasure, and happy holidays. All right. Well, Philip, those were great interviews. Yeah, I, I mean, I really enjoyed the freestyle one. I knew that I would, and it didn't. It didn't let me down at all. She was a great resource to be able to bring on to the show. So, if People have other questions relating to freestyles. Maybe, maybe we can have her back. Oh, I'm sure she'd love to come back on. And and it is, it is such a, it really is a fun thing to do. I I've enjoyed freestyles and I've had you know some some good luck with them. Um, they take a lot of work. I think that's the one thing that people maybe underestimate. Um, I I had a, a very cute pony clubber. She was getting ready for her rally, and she came to me a week and a half before rally and said i haven't even started my freestyle oh my goodness and i just thought oh my gosh you know it takes us six months so i will caution everyone that you know give yourself some time to enjoy the process um thank goodness this was a youngin that um that she could dedicate her life pretty much 24 7 for that last weekend (laughs) for the entire week right yeah Yeah. for the entire week that's all she did um (laughs) but so don't don't do that to yourself because that doesn't go well but uh give yourself some time and and do enjoy it and it is a a fun process and writing to music is it really is fun i i actually fill up you know in my ring i I just put up a sound system and uh it was a a little early christmas present to myself and it's really nice actually to ride to music i yeah yeah, i'd never really done it before and um you know other than the freestyle but to actually you know have the radio on or or put something in that that i want to hear it's pretty fun so uh, i would encourage everyone to do that because you will find yourself you know if you like the song you kind of get into it your horse gets into it and it's fun yeah, I mean, and even if you don't have a, a sound system at the barn or whatever, I mean, you can use the headphones and the and the iPods. We've done that before, and uh, you know that's a good way to do it as well. Um, so, just fun different tips for riding, you know, especially for us coming into the winter, different things to do, and yeah. and uh, again relating back to last week, if you have problems, you know, you're working on tests and it's boring and it's frustrating, maybe put together a freestyle or or do something uh, a little bit with that. So. Uh, yeah, it's great interviews, great week. Uh, I hope everybody has uh, has a good week coming up. 
Absolutely. And you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook. Just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Collections, Draper Therapies, and Charles Owen. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And don't forget Horse Radio Network um, gear. Everyone go to the website and you can find some awesome things. So go to the website. We would love that. And you'll get your Horse Radio Network um, items. So everyone, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. And we will talk to you next week. 